0: Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
1: Sad. Hurt, hurt. Blitz is defined as a sudden savage attack. It is indeed all this. The effect is sure. The premise is simple. It's a basic primal confrontation, man to man. No excuses are offered, none accepted. Welcome to the latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with horns247.com. Looks like a radio station. Now here are your hosts: Lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers, Pure Athlete yeah. I transcend race hombre. Matt Butler, I don't talk man. I back it up, and we are sock full of that. Man. I'm right. And Jeff Howe, it's still real to me, damn it. And that's the bottom line. Cause Stone Cold sets so. up.
2: If you're gonna blitz, come strong, but don't come at all. Coming strong with another edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns 24-7. I am Jeff Howe and we made it. We are at game week as we sit here and record this show. We are three days away from Texas and UTEP. If you're listening to this show, we are now two days away from kickoff with the Longhorns and the Miners. But nonetheless, gentlemen, we got here. We've got a loaded show this week, so let's not waste any time and get right into the festivities Let me bring in the rest of the team. He is the master of the soundboard, the drop machine extraordinaire, our lead research analyst on Longhorn Blitz, and a daily fantasy guru. He is Matt Butler. How are you, sir?
3: Doing pretty well, man. Yourself?
2: NBA playoffs treating you well?
3: Ah, playoffs have been pretty Mm -hmm. good. Been busy, busy, but it's been fun.
2: As always, hits the ground running. A man who's always busy doing many different things because he is a renaissance man. He is our lockdown corner here on Longhorn Blitz. Lifetime Longhorn, 2002 UT All-American, 2002 semifinals for the Jim Thorpe Award. Fourth-round draft choice of the New York Giants in 2003. Spent his NFL career with the Giants, Lions, Bears, Bucks, Broncos, and a year with the Hamilton Tiger Cats in the CFL. When he was done with football, he got himself back to Austin, Texas, and the 40 Acres where he earned his degree. Whenever that team ring comes in, we will make sure he wears it proudly. Nevertheless, he is a card-carrying member of DBU, and when you get that All-American honor recognized by the NCAA, they make sure you get one of those black cards. Number 21 in your program, number one in your hearts, Mr. Rob Babers. Nailed it. As always, uh, and Rod, means you're uh, ready for game week. Absolutely. Game week mode.
3: It's just flowing off the tongue. <laughs> yeah. Rod, we've got
2: uh, the Big 12 starting up, the NFL season starting up, and that's where I want to start the show. Rod, you've been uh, on both sides of what some lifetime Longhorns experienced this weekend. You've been oh, yeah. one of the guys on the bubble that's made the 53,
3: mm-hmm.
2: and you've been one of the guys that's kind of been told, hey, maybe we've got something else for you or maybe somebody else has something for you. Uh, what? What is what – is, Compare the two. Like, Mm -hmm. is the feeling of making a roster better than like the low feeling or of the the worst feeling? the major league. What is what what is more impressionable on you? The 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 feeling of making a roster or just that letdown of I didn't make the fifty
4: three. No, I mean it is uh, both. uh, One is equally as devastating as the other is joyous. I mean, it it, I, I really couldn't tell you. That's a great question. I think. You know, for most of the guys in the NFL, and I would say this is probably 75% of them, they have to live that life Mm -hmm. at one point where you're just trying to scratch and claw and make a damn roster. Like, period. That's all you're trying to do. Just make that 53. And I made practice squads. You know, sometimes I was on a team and on the IR. Uh, Sometimes I was just told, no, you're not good enough. And then you have to go try out for different teams. I mean, try to make your way around the league and I did that too. Tried out for you know three, four, five different teams in the off season, just trying to get on somewhere. I mean, it is it's it's a it's a hard life. It ain't it ain't an easy profession, uh, and obviously it doesn't last for very long. But ain't no question about it, it's thrilling when you actually do make the roster because uh, that means you know you're one of the best players. On the planet, best mm-hmm. football players on the planet, absolutely.
2: <laughs> so, Rod, uh, we've got some lifetime Longhorns who are on the bubble. Three guys who found themselves on the wrong side of the bubble, but have since been added to the practice squad, practice squad for man. their respective franchises. Yeah. Little Jordan and Humphrey, be a with saving the grace. Yeah, Little Jordan Humphrey with the Saints. P.J. Lock with the Denver Broncos, and Zach Shackleford in Tampa Bay, all three of those guys yeah. were waived on cut-down day but then brought back to the practice squad. Team,
4: you know, they sit you down when they cut you, have the meetings. If they respect you, they do. Sometimes they don't even respect you enough to do that. <laughs> uh, and I've been a part of that too. But uh, a good franchise will sit you down to at least tell you, all right, this is what you need to do. All right, You need to do this, this, and this. You are great at this and this. This is what why you'll make a team. This is why you're not making this team. And they'll tell you, sometimes they'll show you straight up, man, it's just a numbers game. You're a good player. Mm -hmm. We just got other guys with paying a lot of money, too, and you just don't. You can't make the roster here. We got too many guys at your position. Sometimes, uh, you know, they'll just try to cushion where it's not you. It's not not you, it's me, basically. Mm -hmm. You get that equivalent, too. Yeah, you get that equivalent, too. But I think, you know, for those guys on the practice squad, that is a team telling you, listen, you're not good enough to make the 53, but you got something. You Mm -hmm. just got to work. You you got – and this year the practice squad obviously has expanded, but that still doesn't make up for the lack of preseason games, which is – I mean, that's how I made – you know, I made it to five vested years in the league was because preseason games is when you get to make a roster. So I feel bad for a lot of guys who didn't have that opportunity. So for the guys who didn't make the roster, who are at the bottom of the totem pole, even tougher for those guys to make rosters this year, tougher to get on that practice squad – this year than it has
3: been. Yeah, because that poll just sort of when you have those preseason games, you know that you have sort of these different incremental steps that you can work towards, and not having that just makes you know it. it your whole season's decided oh, yeah. upon with practice. You're They're hitting, in less. Practice. Right. hitting less practice.
4: Hitting less in practice too. Yeah, you it is isn't even to to like show your true stuff football. That much. Yeah. So
3: you got to be. It just puts more of the pressure up on your performance in an area where you aren't necessarily actually getting to perform, yeah, which is an yeah. odd situation to be in.
4: They're coveting veterans because of the lack of off season mini camps and training camp and everything too. So it's hurting the young guys a chance to make a team. So if
3: you make mm-hmm. a team as a young guy, eh, that's a hell of an accomplishment this year. You got some upside and that's what they're holding you for is like is they're look of... at the upside to hold on to you.
2: And uh you know I haven't seen anything uh I haven't seen anything in the last 12 hours or so since last night, uh, but, you know, two guys that, you know, have been in the league now, one carved carved out a niche for himself as an undrafted free agent, another was drafted. Marcus Johnson and Malik Jefferson, both looking for jobs. I'm seeing Malik Jefferson yeah, I saw him uh, visited, visited the Titans yesterday. So I, Malik, I, mm. Malik is still going to get a chance to.
4: Oh, yeah, to, he's got so much talent and upside, so some team will just say. All it, it takes is one. Yeah, some team to follow. I thought he was going to fit perfectly with that San Diego scheme, though. Because all they, they, they're basically playing Big 12 football. I, I, they I, stockpiled I, cornerbacks and safeties. Unfortunately, Darren James got hurt. But they even drafted a Big 12 linebacker yeah, this Murray, year. Yeah. So they, they're trying to revamp their defense around defending spread, pace, and space. And I was like, oh, Malik Jefferson there? Perfect. He just, they just want him to run and be a essentially a, a, a bigger, heftier DB for mm-hmm. them. Because all they want is DBs on the field. And that didn't work out either. So,
2: And, uh, you know, Malik is, is interesting because I I've checked out some of the Chargers riders after that cut was announced. And that was like every – I went back and looked. Every projected 53-man roster for the Chargers had him on it. Made like, perfect he sense. Was, he was safe. And for whatever reason, they – They parted ways, and Marcus Marcus Johnson's one of those guys, Rod, that he's, Hmm. you know, we talked about this before we went on air. Marcus Johnson's tied in enough with the Colts organization that he's probably a guy that I'm sure they had the conversation with him, look, it's a numbers game right now, but the way this thing works, just hang tight. We're probably going to have something for you before this is all said and done.
4: Unfortunately, they haven't had, you know, preseason games yet, so – um, they haven't really been exposed to the risk of injury just yet. There have been a lot of injuries, mm-hmm. but not as many as there are going to be yeah, game week. once they actually start, like, actually hitting and right. playing games. So I think you'll see, unfortunately, a ton of injuries in the first two, three weeks. And then that'll open up a lot of roster spots for guys. And I'm talking about soft Especially tissue, skill guys, like ACL, yes, exactly, those guys. Because they just haven't, you haven't been exposed to the physicality yet.
2: But let's get to the good news. As far as the 53 goes for a lot of time, Longhorns in the NFL. Week one, Rod, you're going to have 24. I mentioned those three practice squad guys, but 24 guys made a 53-man roster. Guys are on the Sweet. bubble. I, I put Colin Johnson in the bubble category because right is a fifth-round really? pick. As a fifth-round pick, you're not guaranteed to make a team, but he, he went out and had a great camp, his camp was in, on the in Jacksonville yeah. by all accounts. and. Real quick, Rod, I think just proving what the three of us talked about, regardless of where he was going to get drafted, Colin Johnson's an NFL player.
4: Yeah. I mean, I think everybody knew that. It's it all about where is he going to be able to make himself some money early on mm-hmm. and end up with a team trying to
2: invest
4: in him. I mean, that didn't happen. He had to go out there and earn it. And, of course, that's not a shock to us that he, he went out there and earned it. And it helped, ironically, that he was in Jacksonville. I think if he was with a team, maybe trying to compete right away, I don't know if he makes that team. Yeah. Jacksonville has been in a straight up fire sale mode for the last two <laughs> years, right? They're getting yeah. rid of talent there. Yeah, they, they don't rid want again right? breaking Taking it rules. for Trevor, yeah, exactly. So I think that all being that strangely enough, going to Jacksonville, yeah. everybody thought that would hurt him. It mm-hmm. helped him because they're in that situation, like, oh no, we want young, cheap talent. That guy's young. He's cheap. All right, get on out there see what you can do. See, make some plays, (laughs) what's going on. If you screw it up, who cares? We're taking. So, it's all right. Yeah. Well, and I mean, they just had a
3: 180 (laughs) sort of – they didn't even mean to, but whenever they had a guy like Minshew fill in as a quarterback, and then now it's like Colin may be in a better – fit for the future with a young quarterback if it doesn't work he can put some tape out there because yep. if you we've seen if you, you're a wide receiver there's about 10 teams in the nfl every year that you just don't want anything to do with because it's not your fault that's just not going to be a good passing offense and you don't want to land in one of those spots and a lot of the times it's not even your fault and that's sort of what you always thought jacksonville was but this jacksonville may be different you'd be yep. playing from behind all the time with a quarterback that likes to sling Let's it sling around it? there you go Get Come to show now. Uh,
2: right, guys alert? that were guys that were legitimately on the bubble, though Andrew Beck. Hangs around in Denver for another year. Some
4: people he, said he's going to be the starting
2: fullback potentially. He basically is the Broncos' fullback. Like they don't have a f- they don't have a fullback. fullback, fullback on the he's roster. But be that guy. Andrew Beck is their fullback. That's interesting. Staying yes. with Denver, man. Calvin Anderson makes the fifty-three. The Broncos him. signed him off the Jets' practice squad good last year. Him. He makes the fifty-three, and, and I it, think yeah, he had
4: a good camp. I kept seeing videos of him in camp. That yeah. he was having a really good camp.
2: And man, I think the best. The best story, and and real quick with the Vikings, Mm. they've started to invest in corner, Rod, Mm -hmm. but, man, Mike Zimmer and maybe Jerry, this is Jerry Gray influence, they love them some Texas DBs, man, because Holton Hill's a starter on their depth chart, and they seem to love Chris Boyd, so both of those guys continue Mm -hmm. to make the 53, still on there, Yeah, and I think the best story of any Longhorn who made a 53-man roster, Malcolm Roach... No Craig Wayne and, Way and I had him on Light the Tower before the draft. And most guys, Rod, you know how it is when you're doing the no media question. circuit before the draft. Oh, any team that wants to give me a chance. Mm. Uh, but Malcolm Roach said, you know what? He's like, I'm from Baton Rouge. I grew up a Saints fan. My I watched my dad coach games in the Superdome. He's like, I'd love to play for the Saints. Signs of the Saints is an undrafted free agent. And like we talked about, in a year where it was harder than ever for an undrafted free agent yeah. to make a roster, I was watching those Saints moves, and I saw they cut. Marcus Hunt,
3: mm-hmm. they
2: cut Mario Edwards, and that's when I was like, "Dude, Malcolm Roach is making this team." Malcolm out. Roach won him a roster spot. So, yep. <laughs> congrats, Malcolm Roach! You made a fifty-three man roster for your childhood team.
4: Yeah, and it's interesting. And I said this about Charles Mina, who's is actually going to start at yep. defensive end for the Texans. Um, it's you know, it was something here at Texas when he was maybe misused or maybe underutilized, whatever you want to say. All right, he moved around. He, he, he played every position on the defensive front seven here at Texas, sometimes out of necessity, sometimes because, you know what, he had a little bigger than we thought. Let's move him here, whatever it was. But he always was an impact player for the Longhorns. That helped him at the NFL level, ironically, where here it, it kind of hurt his draft stock. All right, mm-hmm. because like I don't know what he is. Is he a tweener? He's a hybrid. What is he? In the NFL that now they're for values what they call position flex, which essentially is a hybrid, what they used to call a tweener. Yeah. You know, he's he's that guy. He can play two, he can play any shade up front for you. And that guy manufactures a depth spot for you. So you know what? In a league where it's a salary cap league where I got a I I'm you know, I'm on a fixed income, that guy is a value. He's a mm-hmm. great value. Bo- and he's a coach's kid, so it's got really high football IQ and football acumen, wants to be a coach himself. Dude, it was, And he even admitted himself that he was misused when he was at Texas in Tyler Lando's defense. But ironically, I think that helped him, just like he did Charles Menehu. Yeah. It helped Charles Menehu playing that four-eye because it showed the NFL, oh, man, he can play a little, you know, some multiple shades on that outside,
2: and that's what they liked about him. If you're Taquan Graham, a guy coming out of, that's going to come out of Texas mm-hmm. in the draft in the next few years, a Joseph Osai, or, and we'll see a Marcus Bimage, a guy like that. You probably owe Puna Ford, Charles who, and Malcolm Rhodes. probably owe them a little bit for where you're going to get drafted or what opportunity you're going to get. Because right at mm-hmm. some point, NFL teams are like, man, you know what? We we really undervalue D-linemen at Texas. Maybe we need to take a closer look there and see what's going on.
1: Yeah,
4: Oscar Giles sitting back chilling. Yeah, I told you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> got yeah. Been oh, here God. this long. Yeah. yeah got to tell you. So, oh, yeah, congrats to those guys. Man.
2: So, there's uh 20 Great. again, 24 Lifetime Longhorns make a roster. And that's with, you know, that number is with Marquise Goodwin opting out this season. And is that no Earl Thomas? Earl Thomas still Ooh. in limbo. Nice. Yeah, numbers we, moving on up. We figure Malik Jefferson's probably going to get another opportunity here. So, at that'd some be 27? Point, so. Yeah, and then you include the practice squad guys. You could be you could be back in the thirties. Yeah, I was say yeah, the practice squad guys. And you know what, Rod? What's interesting though, as we uh, kind of veer into current matters, of the twenty four guys that are on a fifty three man roster, more than half of them played for Tom Herman. So you're starting to see the turnover. That kind of guys. The, now it's 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 very like guys that played for Mac Brown. There aren't that many of those guys left. You got like Alex Oka for Kenny Vaccaro. Justin Tucker,
4: yeah, all of guys toward the twilight, the twilight. You know, guys already. like Quandre
2: Diggs were tw- kind of toward the end of mm-hmm. Max tenure, but yeah, it's uh, the, a lot of guys that play that are going to be a part of the Tom Herman era now in the NFL, and we expect obviously that list to to grow. Hmm. But guys that are in the midst of the Tom Herman era right now on this 2020 roster, Rod, we had depth chart day on Monday, and if you've been following the uh, preseason happenings. Over at Horns 24 7. If you've been listening to any programming mm-hmm. on the Horn, including you'd ride be on the triple option from three to seven. Shout out. Myself and Craig Way from 10 to noon on Light the Tower. Shout out. I don't know that this depth chart ride should have really surprised you. It seems like the mm-hmm. one position that kind of maybe drew some red flags was wide receiver. And we had talked about, though.
4: That's what I We talked about Brennan that.
2: Eagles had an up and down camp. We really yeah, didn't man. know is he going to stay at Z? Is he going to be X at X? And he is listed as the backup X receiver to Tariq Black, who, by all accounts, had a really good camp.
4: Great for Tariq Black. And by the way, all the reports about Tariq Black have always been that when he plays, he's great. Mm-hmm. You just, just got to stay healthy. healthy. I'm going to knock on whatever the hell is next to me. That's you know what I mean? Because, yeah, even coming out of Michigan, though, when I talk to folks, I know they're like, no, he's awesome when he plays. Mm-hmm. He just can't play long enough to, you know, make a consistent impact. So, I'm glad that happened. That came to fruition. I've had a lot of people really high on Josh Moore for a long, long, long time. Even you've talked about him for a long time. So mm-hmm. I'm glad that now he's going to get a shot. And we all knew at the H, Jake Smith and Jordan Whittington, you know, splitting time there. And, and I am love that I'm hearing Jake Smith is asserting himself yeah. as the guy. You know what I mean? And that's, that's great, I think, for that wide receiving core. The Brandon Eagles thing, look at it like a blessing, you know, that your second wide receiver – is a starting caliber wide receiver at most universities. Now, regarding maybe that's because of off the field stuff, buy in attitude. We don't know. You know, what I mean, uh, whatever it is. But I think that's a good thing for, you know, for the wide receiving core. Here's my one, you know, my one suggestion about the wide receivers. I would hope though, at one point, you you figure out how to make. These wide receivers interchangeable so that Jordan Whittington and Jake Smith, not only on the field together, but Jake Smith and Jordan Whittington, those guys can have snaps at the outside wide receiver position. Please yeah. don't be so rigid. Well, it's a Z is a Z and the X is the X. And it's like, OK, man, I get it. OK, but put your best damn wide receivers on the field. And to do that, Jake Smith and Jordan Whittington, I'm sorry. They got to see the field together. Yeah, That's
3: just the way it is. Mm-hmm. And whenever I saw the depth chart and saw, you know, I mean, you hear the reports about Jake Smith, and then you see that there's no or, and it's just you have Whittington and him at that same spot, sort of made me think, well, if Jake Smith really is asserting himself, and if you're doing that well and proving that he doesn't need to come off the field, even though I expect him to come off the field Lovely. every three series the same way that Duvernay was coming off the field for Jake Smith, I was hoping that this would force the issue that – they'll have to find a way to cross-train and put Whittington at other spots and use him because of the fact that you don't want to take Smith or one or the other off the field. So hopefully if he is asserting himself and Smith is separating or just proving that that position is where he is best for the offense, maybe it'll force them to look at Whittington in other situations, and even though he isn't listed there on the depth chart, because you, like you said, you don't want to get pigeonholed into a certain situation and be limiting your entire upside of your offense just because of the rigidity of the formation.
4: It's Sam's weapons, man. Yep. Give him as many weapons as possible. Well, and don't then with the weapons.
3: Eagles thing, I mean, the way that you look at snaps, I mean, if you t- look at the NFL, you look at college, if a receiver's getting 90% of the snaps, that's just elite top 5% of guys. There aren't aren't many that get more than that you're talking even the top tier guys get 70 80 so if we're talking about being able to cross-chain you can quickly find 25 percent here 10 percent here you can actually get yourself up to a snap count where you're seeing more than half the snaps as long as you have that malleability and ability to play multiple spots but that's also something that i don't think the coaches are going to necessarily say until it happens on the field
2: well go i want to Stick on that for a sec, Matt. I'm glad you mentioned that because when you look at this depth chart, Brennan Eagles has had full seasons at X and Z.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: right? And we know Tom Herman said, look, the, the, we're not going to be as rigid with those rules. For the most part, they'll That's be the, the same, thing, yeah. but the job function will be largely the, largely the same. Uh, I don't even know if I just butchered that, but whatever. We move <laughs> on. Uh, <laughs> Brennan Eagles has worked both X and Z. Okay. Josh Moore has worked Z and H. Alvante Woodard has worked X and Z. And we, Rod, right, if you talk about not confining yourself to the rigidity of those roles, if the Z receiver, if what you really want that field side receiver is a guy that can blow the top off the defense vertically, and mm-hmm. Jake Smith can do that, he can do that. We've seen him do that. Yeah. If the X receiver is about playmaking ability and using your body and having high point ball skills. Jordan Whittington could play X receiver.
4: He's just a freak. He can do
2: anything. Yeah. yeah. So, to your point, yeah. to just both of your points. Just not, situationally,
4: not all the right. time, of course. I'm talking about situationally like, because Matt's talking about, you know, how you yeah. can divvy up yes, those right. reps and find targets and all that.
3: you yeah. so so need to find coaches, we need to find Because you got a money ball
4: it now because you don't have that depth, the proven depth at right. wide receiver
2: right now. My point is, to back up what both you guys have said, there should be no reason why you're so just – Again, I hate to use the repeat the word, but you're just so rigid and no. He is an H receiver. He will play H receiver. If you want to get your 11 best on the field, if that's what it's about, then you man. can make it work.
4: Yeah, got you to can make man. it work.
2: Rod, right, in that vein, um, if you see a 10, if if you you're watching the UTEP game on Saturday, <laughs> and you see a 10 person L package with Jake Smith and Jordan Whittington on the field together. Do your sports pants immediately go from, like, flaccid to strong and mighty? <laughs> I, think
4: it's uh, warm, I might take irate.
2: my pants off if I see that. <laughs>
4: but, but, no, no, I, I don't expect to see it. I expect it to be as vanilla as possible against UTEP. One thing I think you might see, though, and you, you guys have reported on it at Horns 247, uh, Chip Brown has talked about it a lot, who basically predicted this damn depth chart, too, if you've been paying attention um, with his insider reports. The 12 personnel, I expect to see some of that versus yeah. UTEP. They've been really, really complimentary, I guess, of these tight ends. That is something that we didn't expect. But I, I do like ver- diversifying the personnel packages and, you know, the different formations. So if they end up having some of these tight ends, you know, with, with Malcolm Epps and Kate Brewer and who's the other one? Is it Lee, Lee Brock?
2: Brayden Lee Brayden Lee
4: Brock. Yep. I mean, if they end up playing a lot of 12 personnel – you man, we I talked about this. Oh man, this is probably when we were at the Onion Creek Clubs a long time ago. That this team reminds me of 04 Texas. Mm-hmm. I said 04 yeah. Texas is kind of what this team is starting to resemble. The backfield talent, the O line is it's not as good as the 04 05 O line, all right? But and the backfield probably is not either. But in terms of those, were the strengths of the team. You remember the wide receiving core in 04. That wasn't really a strength of the team. No, My boy Tony, Tony Jeffrey. Jeffrey was holding it down, but that wasn't a strength of the team. That was arguably the, you know, 0405 Texas arguably the greatest power spread in the history of college football, right? And Tom Herman ultimately wants his pro spread to be a power spread. You look at the way it's setting up now, I think the way they may be titillated by these tight ends is because they want to bully the Big 12. They believe the Big 12, the way it's set up now, everybody's streamlining in the Big 12, and Yersic has a lot of experience in the Big 12 too, that right now, maybe the Big 12 is set up to be bullied. All right, maybe and we see that now these, you know, these different spread philosophies, right? The um, you know, and you have a term for it that's really great that I can spread for the different spreads. They're not all air raids. Like uh kind of a
2: hybrid spread. Yeah, they're
4: all these different hybrid spreads, right? So I, I
2: think Rod with the term that people have come up with that Lincoln Riley uses this, and I think I've heard Neil Brown start to use it, calling it kind of the pro raid. Oh, that's not nice, how it's like melding that. melding a pro style philosophy yes. with the offenses rooted in yeah. air it.
4: Okay. And I'm not saying Texas is gonna run twelve percent all the time. No, that'd be ridiculous. But as one of their change ups situationally, especially matchup wise against certain and we all agree with the biggest defensive evolution in the Big Twelve has been John Heacock popularizing the inverted Tampa Two and the three safety look. One of the best ways to beat it theoretically, based on, you know, football theory is with a 12 personnel package, two tight ends. You present them with the pick your poison. We got the numbers advantage, especially with Bam Bam Sam. We could run Mm -hmm. it down your freaking throat. You better put some safeties in this box. And when you do, we can play action you to death and RPO you to death. Mm -hmm. And that, you know what I mean? And that that defense is 3-3-3 at every level, so it's really balanced. If you can screw up that balance by forcing them to pick something to defend, that is how I think you discombobulate that defense. So – that is one of the theories. I think you may see them try to Debo the Big 12 this year in would, certain situations. Would
2: you say Iowa State right now is probably, at least in terms of proven commodities, probably the one? Well, look, we know Oklahoma's a different animal. Mm-hmm. But, like, uh, of everybody else, Iowa State's probably best positioned, ironically, to do that because of the depth and talent they've got at tight
4: end. Yeah. Yeah. I love what Matt Campbell does with his tight ends. Yeah. Man, he's got a ton of really good looking ones. What? Yeah. Why can't last we get some good looking they, tight ends? They, they,
2: like, they can get it. We saw it last year, Rod, when we, we watched Iowa State ahead of the Texas game last <laughs> year. Like, like out they're, there. They're, they're, yeah. in, they're in like 13 Ugh. personnel, like what, 20% of the time? 25% of the time? Awesome looking. They got like
4: long, flowing locks coming out the back of the hair. Like just looking. oh, man. All of them look like a swoller, taller Blaine Irby's out there.
2: Just ready to go. You guys know, since we've been doing this podcast, I, I've probably spent more time, effort, and energy than anybody and wasted more time, effort, and energy talking about the quest for a five-tool tight end. (laughs) So when I see Charlie Kohler, I'm like, damn it. (laughs) Look at that guy. Kohler, that's the guy.
4: (laughs) It's like that Leonardo DiCaprio meme when he's pointing at the TV. Like, "Ah, Mm -hmm. that's what I want, right? Yeah.
3: Oh, man. And while you're talking about the power spread in this team, I when I so. saw this depth chart, the first thing that came to my mind when I saw Tariq Black there, and it's only like, I haven't went back and watched him blo- blocking downfield at Michigan, but I've read a lot, and you look at his body uh, size. Yeah. Like, when I saw this, like, that's what I thought, and I was like, well, he may be a great wide receiver, but we may not be getting a ton of production from him, but he's perfect if we're talking about bullying the Big 12 and these type of concepts, and you know you have to have a really good ability block downfield, and we would Talked and heard about how good LJ was at just picking up those things, liking to be physical. Duvernay, for a little guy, was a physical. And sort of yeah, when I look at this bo- or this team, that's what I see out there. It's like oh, you need somebody on the outside also, a grown man to go block, and that could be really big against some little big 12 DBs. That's yeah. a good
2: point, Matt, and that's a Tom Herman thing. And I go back to the 2016 season, Tom Herman's last year at U of H, when they opened the season with that win over Oklahoma. Yeah, and they were playing and- yeah you know i heard from people in that houston program that the like the day after bob stoops called tom herman and one of the compliments he gave was I've never seen I've never played against a team with wide receivers that were just that physical hmm. that were that physical every single play. So, I think
3: that's a Tom I mean, Herman I saw thing that like
4: again. with Oh you oh you saw, Lincoln Riley yeah. saw it too. Like I mean, it,
3: it sort of was like, a joke that's all yeah. Michigan wide receivers can do is block. And but like, like that that's sort of like, oh well, we'll go 100% it's all hardball.
2: That's one of those deals with Tom if you're going to play a wide receiver for Tom Herman you're, you're going to be able to block. You're Same not just going to be a guy that goes out and catches passes. Yeah.
4: Some of just sudden, maybe that's one of those change-ups. And if they do that, by the way, you know, you better make sure. Because the H comes off the field, theoretically, when they do that, that's, how, that's why you also need that versatility at wide receiver. Because that means Jake Smith or Jordan Whittington mm. needs to be on the field when you have only two wide yeah. receivers out. And, Ron, it's that's kind of they to they your point, like, uh, yeah.
2: about bullying the Big 12. That's why— that's why mm-hmm. I think Chris Kleiman has a chance at K-State to keep them relevant, and that's why Bill Snyder is always tough to deal with mm-hmm. because if you can do it right in this era of football, and you can – look, I know we have tons of Kyle Shanahan conversations on this podcast, but – Why not? You, <laughs> I almost can, brought him up earlier. If exactly. you can play with a fullback or play with multiple tight ends, it Baltimore. gives you – Baltimore you an, does it. It gives you an advantage <laughs> not just on Saturday, but Rod, it gives you an advantage Monday through Friday because – Nobody has – you can't replicate that on your scout team. You can't mm-hmm. give yourself anything close to an adequate look about what, in terms of what you're going to see on game day.
4: Especially if they're, if they're weaponizing Bam Bam Sam. If you start doing that with quarterback design runs, mm-hmm. man, you can – I don't know how a team could really deal with it if you can present that much power. If the O-line is going to be a strength, which Tom Herman thinks is going to be a strength too, and, and I'm not even saying these, these tight ends are not Dave, David Thomas and Bo Skate, no. Okay, so in the pa- you do you, yeah you will lose some of the element uh, that O4 had because there was a threat. Those tight ends you had to have DBs on them,
2: and you don't have that tight ends. Yeah,
4: yeah, so I don't know if you'll need DBs on these tight ends. I think the package will, pr- will be primarily to give them a run numbers advantage. But who knows, man? Maybe the t- maybe Cade Brewer is a legit five not five to but a legit passing threat and then you can use the play action with him mostly and other guy can just give you you know, or Malcolm Epps. Ooh, with the, mm-hmm. with the flex tight end. Oh. Finally where we need it Flex tight end. Thank you. And,
3: yeah. and yeah. that's the thing. I mean, that's what he looked like all last year. He was yeah. just split out wide. So now you have some depth there. You have four bodies so you can actually survive. Say one player isn't playing well and then one guy gets hurt. You actually, that doesn't crater your offense or what you need to do if you have that many bodies there. And since you brought up that pro spread and the idea earlier, or just talking about the guys making the league, I had looked it up. And uh, when we were talking about Andrew Beck, I was like, well oh, you know, Denver, looks like they ran the third most two-back sets in all the hmm. NFL, behind only Shanahan who ran the most, and then you had tied for third was Baltimore, who you just brought yeah. up, and then Minnesota is the only one that oh, ran yeah. more than them. There you go. But yeah, good spot for Andrew Beck, and it sort of aligns sort of with this conversation of it being just it's sort of evolving back to power if you have those pieces that can be multiple and then get you into that situation.
2: Rod, right, not just Malcolm Epps at the Flex. Again, we talk about guys, no Multiple positions. Malcolm Epps was an X receiver his first two years oh, I like that on too. campus. So you yeah. can, in theory, you can be in twelve personnel and maybe still have Jake Smith on the field.
3: Oh, and you can pull Ooh, a line funky. now. You now Malcolm Epps like is that. running against. Yeah, and if you split him out, he's pulling a linebacker out there. He isn't against a DB. And you have those. Me- I mean, you could. You want. could
2: have a. Could you have? Yeah, you could have a twelve personnel package with with Jake Smith and Jordan Whittington on the field.
4: You could theoretically. Yeah, you could do it.
2: Like I'm, Jake Smith I, and Tariq Black or whatever. Yeah, or I'm,
4: I'm interested to see exactly what yours is going to do in terms of diversifying the personnel packages because we were all 11 personnel last year, but this year I don't know if the ro- if the roster makeup fits that as much. She have more two pers- two back sets. Should have more maybe more two tight end sets. Mm-hmm. I I'm serious. I I think he should break out the diamond formation again. With two backs, and then you can have Cade Brewer be that cowboy back element they had. Mm-hmm. I think you could do a lot of r- funky things with this with this roster. I just right. want
2: to run down the offensive depth chart real quick, and then we'll move on to defense, Matt. I'll, I'll get to yeah. you, you know, your point here in a sec. But you know, running back, I think we agree we're going to see all three of those guys that are listed on the depth chart. No doubt. And, and the right side of the offensive line, with Isaiah Hookfin's shoulder injury, kind of worked out the way we thought it was going to be, where he, he's out of the running now. So Denzel Loka starting right guard uh and christian jones is just starting right tackle but uh, matt hold that thought i'll get back to you just a second but why is everybody caught up uh you know the questions for players and for tom herman regarding mike yersuch and this offense and what we're going to see on saturday why is everybody caught up on tempo like i get that like tempo it's kind of a flashy word like oh go tempo Like tempo will be there. Like, to me, that's not that wasn't the problem with the offense last Mm -hmm. year because we did see there were times where they got in a hurry up and they were successful. The Iowa Mm -hmm. State game comes to mind. Like, it's not, to me, it's not about tempo. It's about kind of what we talked about. It's about can you maximize your personnel groupings and within those personnel groupings can your formations be diverse enough to where you're not tipping plays and tipping calls and things of that nature. Totally.
4: Schematic advantage. Am I just –
2: Am I wrong, Rod, to not care that much about tempo? Like, if you need the ability wanna, to do it, yes. if they want to go fast, they're going to be able to go fast.
4: Yeah, and I think uh, Tom Herman's a, he is an advocate of just controlling tempo, so not always up tempo, yeah. just controlling tempo. So sometimes I'm up tempo, sometimes we're gonna—it's in our best interest to slow it down. Sometimes it's in our best interest to have a moderate tempo. Gus Malzahn's that way. Yeah, it depends on the situation. Yeah. Situational tempo. I, should I just say.
2: don't like. That was yeah. my one. The one thing I didn't like about the veer and shoot, you know, the art brawls. It's always like up brows. tempo. Yeah, it's always up tempo. It's like you're either yeah. scoring in three plays or hmm. it's a three and out.
4: Yeah, and that's I think Tom Herman wants to avoid that. That's yeah. the pro element of the pro, you know, the pro spread.
2: Like I you know Malzahn has tempos like a, you know, if it's green tempo, then we're boom boom, we're on the ball, we're exactly. going. Exactly. There you go. If it's yellow tempo, then you're got it's kind of a normal pace, and if it's red, that's usually. We're trying to Ready, burn the clock really slow. or yeah. what have
3: you. One well, of the, I like the different purposes behind it is sometimes you're going tempo just because you're trying to keep that group on the field. You yep. don't want them to sub. You'll do go that way. Sometimes you're going into tempo just because you know mentally they're taking a lot of time to realize your calls or to line up defensively against you. So maybe it isn't about which players are on the field, but it's about, oh, this defense obviously isn't, figuring out pre-snap what we're doing we need to go fast and not give them that opportunity and then sometimes you're doing it because you know you feel your team is in better condition than the opposing team so there's all these different reasons and just having the ability to because if you can't go tempo Mm -hmm. or if you don't perform well or say you have uh, diminished returns whenever you go tempo then it's not smart to just force that issue but if you're good enough to be able to go Mm -hmm. tempo you want to be able to identify and then go I mean that's sort of when you watch the Patriots they're the ones that back when the Brady days, now it's different, but like he would, uh, you'd always be able to see them gauging the opponent, the situation, and understanding time in play. And then that's why when you're yep. dealing with a team like Texas that also maybe has the ability to go and just bludgeon you to death, we've seen Texas be the, one of the better time of possession type teams in all of football yep. the last couple of years. I mean, Texas, it would bug you if you're a better just because you go and see they could hold on to a ball for seven minutes of a quarter yep. and they just go all the way down. I mean, it's the Yep. Eight-minute drive. Yes, and but also yeah. if you need to play catch-up and if you need to get in that two-minute, you know, you can go there quick. So yep. the ability to have that, and then the defense doesn't necessarily know what they're coming. It's like sometimes when you have a pitcher with multiple pitches that he delivers at different speeds and things like that.
4: They did it versus Georgia. Mm-hmm. Remember Georgia, all them long draws they had versus Georgia?
3: Yep. It just suffocated them. It man. did it against Oklahoma. <laughs> it just didn't work. We were shortening it the own, own game uh, against Oklahoma in the second did half. Not, they scored well. Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, so, Rod, I don't want to spend too much time on this because we talked a lot about this side of the ball. But, man, we've talked for years on this podcast about Texas needs to get to a point where you can sport talented depth mm-hmm. within multiple position groups. And with the exception of inside linebacker, Rod, I look up and down this defensive depth chart, and I see talented depth.
4: Yeah, no, it's loaded, man. D line and D line and secondary is loaded. So at least you cushion the the void <laughs> that you have at, of lack of talent at linebacker. You cushion that a little bit with having a wealth of talent at D line and a wealth of talent at safety right behind them. So I like that. But linebacker is going to be an, an issue if those, if DeMario and Overshell and Jawan Mitchell and all the guys that are thrown in there don't. If those guys don't play up to a certain level, they will be targeted. They will become the weak link of the defense. And trust me, you can build a really good offensive game plan. It's attacking to. Linebacker they're weak links on the field, so yeah.
3: Because conceptually, looking at it right here, you're like, "Ooh, I can see how this could work really good." Oh no, it could. But work then really well. if the two line, because you don't have depth at linebacker, and you are gambling with what you think's going to fit and what mm-hmm. should work, and conceptually what fits the Big Twelve, but we haven't seen that yet. So if it say doesn't work, or say you have an injury, then you're going to be left in a situation where you sort of built your defense around something. And now the pieces in the middle of it may not fit it. So hopefully these two that are starting are going to be the ones that fit and you don't have to deal with too much in change. If a lot of change yeah. comes, then you might have to force the issue. All right, boys. You ready to talk UTEP? Mm, sure.
2: Yeah, I'm ready to talk
3: Texas. <laughs> we <We'll> talk <laughs> Texas against UTEP. Yeah,
2: UTEP. Okay. Uh, yeah. Here's the deal with UTEP. Folks, you can get over to Horns 24-7 and look at uh, my first look at UTEP piece. I, I did the work out. so you don't have to. Good. Rod, Thank God. at the end of the 2016 season, uh, UTEP ended it with a win over North Texas. They got a 52-24 win over North Texas. That was the last win of the Sean Kugler era in El Paso.
4: Shame on you North Texas.
2: <sighs> they went 0-12 in 2017. Dana Demmel gets the job. Mm. They go 1-11. In 2018, which by the way was the last time Rice—I mean, excuse me—UTEP has beaten an FBS opponent. They beat Rice that year on November 3rd, beat them 34-26. It's the oh, last time nice. UTEP has a win over an FBS opponent. Last year they go 1 and 11. They beat uh, FCS Houston Baptist. This year they start out 1 and 0. They beat Stephen F. Austin. Hey now, Rod. If you look at the preseason SP Plus, Bill Connolly did at ESPN. Hmm. UTEP was 128 out of 130. And of the schools playing football this fall, the only team worse than them in the SP Plus in the preseason is New Mexico State. I was I, was, I, was, I was going to say though, This Mexico has State. always yeah. been a tough job. Dana Demmel basically is trying to do at UTEP what David Beatty was hired to do at Kansas a few years ago. Can you just make this job not completely suck for the next guy that's going to take it over? Can you revive this thing a little bit and just, just get it out of the gutter? Uh, Rod, you can make the argument that when Dana Dimel took over UTEP in 2018, that he was
3: taking over the worst FPS program in the country.
4: Yeah, no, I agree with you on that. Yeah, and it's
3: where it's at. And luckily, it, he has a geographic recruiting base. That's it, right?
4: Yeah, but
3: you don't know. You don't. That's the thing with UTEP. You don't you really <laughs> don't. <laughs> <laughs> don't.
4: They're basically in a different state. Yeah.
3: Almost, right? No, well, you're, you're right. It's just like when comparing I mean, to the two names I mean, of UConn or UMass, you know, no, like you're right. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
4: I've been saying, like, they, if you look at terms of recruiting, like, they basically are in a different
2: state they're, almost. The times are yeah, like new Mexico, but yeah, I mean, it's not, it's not like Texas Tech where you have, right? Yeah, you're in Lubbock, but you've got the Big 12 to recruit off of, and you've mm-hmm. got some tradition. You're not north texas or utsa or rice or or smu or umh where you you're in a major metro area so your your talent is accessible you're really i mean rod you 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 did this a few years ago and you did uh you did the, the Game of Thrones comparisons. Oh, for the schools in Texas. Yeah. W- you, oh, yeah. Wouldn't tip the White Walkers like they're they're out there like the the Forbidden the Land where nobody. I goes. think they were
4: like the maybe the Wildlings or something. I'm not sure. Yeah, I remember I did that, but I don't. Yeah. I don't or remember maybe me. like
2: the they're just in
4: the middle of nowhere.
2: They're so, occupying Castle Black out there. Like it's the last the last resort. So like, I just
4: don't know how, what they sell to recruit. At UTEP, can't sell wins. Right. I know they don't have great facilities or anything. El Paso doesn't have much to offer, even though I've dated some hot chicks from El
2: Paso randomly. It's Good a, it's a hard, there. it's a hard job, man. It's a it, hard job. It is a tough, and they
4: know it too. So you're right; they're just trying to bring them back to somewhat respectability. Can you get us to the point where we're winning three, four games a year? If you could do that, that's a turnaround at UTEP. I know that sounds crazy. You're like, oh yeah, it gets a bowl contention now. They're they're about ten year, ten years away from bowl contention. Even Mike, this is a long project.
2: Even Mike Price, Mike Price was praised for what he did at UTEP in the time he was there. he only had three three bowl appearances and two winning seasons in nine years? Not really. Like, that's amazing at yeah, UTEP. Exactly. That's pretty it's pretty amazing. It is. A, it that's is a pretty tough amazing, job. man. But Rod, when you look at this game, uh, your quick UTEP scouting report: quarterback uh, Gavin Gavin Hardison, Hardison uh, Dion Hankins is a guy that that UTEP staff feels is going to be a special back. player by the time he's done. He's I don't well know deal. if he's going to be Aaron Jones, but when you watch him, uh, watch that SFA game, and by the way, they did get the win 24-14 over Stephen F. Austin in the opener, kind of reminds me right of some of those Colorado backs you face, like the Bobby Purifies and the Chris mm-hmm. Browns, where good in his zone schemes. is kind of a one-cut. He's got some wiggle to him, but Really more of a one cut you the field. Yeah. Great in the zone, blocking scheme. type guy. Jacob Cowling led uh Conference USA freshman in receiving yards last year. So Yeah, yeah they,
4: he had a good game too. Th- there Seven are some pieces
2: you need to know about. But the bottom line with UTEP is this, Rod. Dana Demmel is gonna play that Bill Snyder style of football where they're gonna try to shorten a game, mm-hmm. kill clock. And even though <laughs> UTEP was really bad last year, they were one of the best teams in the country. And fourth downs, they were 18 for 25 on fourth down last year. I think they were seventh in the country on fourth down. So they can extend. We know UTEP, as many blowouts as there are, they go for it on fourth down. They're in fourth down situations <laughs> quite a bit. Uh, but they're efficient on fourth down. They were 21st nationally last year. And time of possession, and their defense faced 765 plays. Hmm. Uh, they're tied for the, That was the fourth fewest in FBS last year. Yeah. So Dana Dimmel's really just taking the, the Bill Snyder blueprint yeah. and – Trying to apply it at UTEP. So, Rod, what that means for Texas for me is be clean, don't turn the football over, and like we talk about anytime we've got one of these non conference games, mm-hmm. don't give them any hope. Just make sure, just get on the scoreboard, keep your foot to the floor, and don't give them any hope that they can hang around in this game.
4: I agree. I think mean, you score early and you try to set the tone early with UTEP. If you do, most of the time for UTEP, it'll start. Set. They they they've been so accustomed to losing. It'll, it'll subconsciously set in, okay, here's the butt whipping, it starts. Mm. And I know that's just, you know, it's wrong for me to say that about those young people. When you lose that much, that is the mindset. Yeah. You're right. That's why and when you're you left Texas, the, And you're playing Texas. They expect to lose, right? Mm-hmm. They expect to get whipped. The sooner you start it, the sooner they go, yeah, I, we said we was going to get our butts whipped. And they'll go back to the sideline and start making jokes about it. But you give them any type of hope. You know what I mean? Like one guy makes a play, yeah, and they start believing, and yeah. you know, belief can be a powerful thing. And it'll for them, I think that's their big thing. If they could just make a couple of plays early, they believe like okay, they get some momentum. So I think for Texas, it'll be it'll be pretty, it'll be it'll be pretty bleak pretty early in my opinion. Yeah, I think I mean, Texas is so. I think they're just ravenous right now. I think they'll come out just even with no schematic advantage at all. It'll be right. everything will be pretty vanilla. It would be they'll just be running simple, you know, inside zone power football, whatever. But they will they'll come out ready to to beat the hell out of UTEP.
3: Yeah, and UTEP, if you look at you know situation on their D line and just what they've been like, you know, if you're talking Texas and Texas wants to be a power team. This UTEP D-line was about as bad as it gets across the country last year. Haven't been able to replace much there. And then when you look at just the Vegas lines and how few points they're expected to come from UTEP. When you're talking like right now it's about 7.5 to 8 points. You can find some books that have them at about 8.25. So we're talking if UTEP scores a touchdown and you're gambling, you may be a little bit worried about Texas covering that spread because otherwise – There should be no business for UTEP to be anywhere near Texas, and if Texas – does allow UTEP to, to stick around for, like, say, a half. That's a very telling thing, especially yeah, if, trouble. say, Texas' strength being that uh, we want to have this power identity in the Big 12, and if it doesn't look like that early on, hopefully that would be one where you can see the self-awareness yeah, and adjustment yeah. of the team because you've got great athletes all over and you can blow this team out of multiple variety of ways, and that's what should happen.
4: They don't have one player that's better than your player on the roster. You know no. I mean, like in terms of the matchups, not one player.
3: No, even if like no say man. their running back is like their next Aaron Jones, who's the Packers running back that was yeah. a and zone was blocking awesome. type guy, and that's a Utah guy. Like even if they have that type of guy at running back right now, and that was just a few years ago, still shouldn't matter. No, because should be e- even the year Aaron have the old line,
2: even mm-hmm. the year uh, even the year Aaron Jones was a Utah, Texas had Deontay Foreman, he got yeah, won the freaking Doak Walker Award, yeah, so. No, yeah. it's It's just so. Even though yeah. Deontay didn't play in that game, he was. I think it was a coach's decision. He got some rest after the Notre Dame Was it Chris game, but... Warren? Who played in that game? Before? Yeah, what about Chris Warren? Okay. Also, played in the Leaf a little while. Got a yeah. cup of coffee? Indeed. Guys, I don't even think it's worth it to do predictions for this one. Uh, <laughs> I really don't. That's uh, the ultimate insult to
4: you, did. We're uh, not, not even going to do not, predictions. Well, we don't
2: think they'll win. We know that. And, you know, Matt, the, the line.
4: Will they cover is the
2: question. The, uh, William Hill Sportsbook, I know, had it at 43. Matt, that mm-hmm. you, you said you've seen some books that have it at 42 and a half. Uh, this is the biggest line Texas has been favored by since 2013. You got to go back to the 2013 opener. What game? Speak. We'll keep football riding that same part of the country where kind of football Mexico is, Mexico. is tough. New Mexico, Mexico State, State. The New Mexico State game to open the 2013 season was a 43 point line. So I got to. It, Did they gonna, cover? They covered. It was 56 six seven win. Okay. Uh the late hey base we, we just, we just, we don't remember because they went to Provo the next week. <laughs> oh, fit
3: hit the shin. But BYU looks hell.
2: Good. That was like Rod, good. one
3: of your last games on the sideline. That's what Navy
4: felt like when they like BYU. I was like,
3: I was getting flashbacks. I was like, Oh, what's going oh, on? Here?
2: <laughs> Rod B's back wearing that poncho in Provo. Ah, oh, no, what's happening? Oh, and Rod man. wasn't that. Uh, Rod was a well, the language was much more colorful the, that oh. I was getting from Rod and the oh. transmissions coming yeah, from yeah. out west. Yeah, but, uh, you know, Rod, real quick, one just again, UTEP's going to try to elongate the game, they're going to try to extend mm-hmm. drives, keep taxes off the field. Their defense, it's a four-two-five defense, like we see anytime a team is under man, Rice did this last year. It's actually a decent test for the offensive line, just from the standpoint that you know, any kind of stunt, blitz, whatever you're going to see it this week.
4: Yeah, no, I agree that there. they've got a lot of twists. They're going to take chances. They you know, they're going they going to, t- to they have to. They have no choice. They got to force the issue. And the one thing they had a trouble with last year was for having splash plays. They didn't have a lot of splash plays. Not a lot of sacks. They only had 12 sacks as a team. Um that led to the second worst third down defense in the country. So Hell, I don't expect Texas to get to a lot of third downs. I'd be shocked if they got to a lot of third downs. That's how bad the defense is. I don't,
3: and, yeah. That yeah. means yeah. Texas should be covering them. You when know you Look like, at a just, lot of the <laughs> metrics out there. Some people have, like, a neutral line on this at, like, 40. If you were to not have public perceptions, then you would say it be, should be 47, 48 instead of 43. So there is some value there. Uh, yeah.
2: Real quick, we'll go around the horn. One thing you're looking for in the opener in that van rod, and that's why I'll start – I actually do want to see Texas get into a situation where you've got a fourth and two or a fourth and one. Given the massive fourth down issues this offense had last year, I want to see what you do on fourth down. and Can you at least get this offensive line and Sam Ellinger some confidence that, yes, we can once again be a really good team on fourth down?
4: Yeah, I'm with you. I want to see the offensive line. That's not much to watch in this game, but the offensive line – I, they should have their way. with And the
3: D-line. Both, line both lines of scrimmage should be fun to watch. Be, you be able, yes. If you can see a lot that's of push in watch, both yeah. ways and see Cobra. I mean, who's going to block Keandre Cover in a body like that on that team? These are the type of things that if you, in these games, you just see somebody get demolished. You're like, oh, yeah, that's how I remember Texas plays. Mm-hmm. That's how they should look. They should be looking like Alabama against UTEP. Now, I you agree. aren't going to be Alabama, but this should be one of those games where it just looks like men against boys. Agreed.
2: Uh, trust me, I checked with some sources out in El Paso to say they're worried about the line of scrimmage in this game would... It'd be an
3: understatement.
2: I know it's a tall order.
0: Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at NewBalance.com.
2: All right. We'll, uh, we'll see what happens on Saturday, boys, and we'll be back next week to break it all down. Matt, thanks for everything, man. Oh, you're more than welcome. Rod B., appreciate the time and the knowledge. Anytime, brother, anytime. For Matt, for Rod, for everybody at the Austin Radio Network and the Horn 1049 1019 AM 1260, streaming on the Horn app or at hornfm.com, where you can get Rod B. on the triple option each and every weekday from 3 to 7. Shameless plug. You can always get myself and Craig away each and every weekday from 10 to noon. And thanks to Matt, you can get all of our archives, our classic interviews and shows for Longhorn Blitz on the Longhorn Blitz SoundCloud page. Yep, just type in Longhorn Blitz. Don't forget to look for Horns 20. 24 7 podcast. Anywhere you get your podcast, you get us, State of Recruiting, and The Flagship just by searching Horns 24 7 Podcast. Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify. Anywhere you get your podcast, just search Horns 24 7 Podcasts. And don't forget to like us and leave us a five star review. For the Horn family, for the Horns 24 7 family, I'm Jeff Howell. Thank you so much for downloading and listening, and we will catch you again on the next episode.
1: You've been listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Remember, for the latest Longhorn news 24-7, visit Horns247.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better